Welcome to Chief's Chat, a look at public safety issues and initiatives in the city of Crystal, a fully developed northwest suburb of Minneapolis in Minnesota. We are your hosts, Chief Stephanie Revering and Chief Sarah Larson with the West Metro Fire Rescue District. In our last podcast, we discussed our continued efforts with residential safety and how to prepare your home for the winter, along with discussing holiday events. I'm super excited about today's topic. As you may know, listeners, March is Women's History Month, and Sarah and I thought it would be a great idea to chat with some of our fabulous women in our agencies. We have Police Officer Lauren Roll with us today and two firefighters, Krista Nielsen and Alicia Wolfman. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is super exciting. So I'll just tell you how this came about, at least talking about Women's History Month. I actually was invited last week to, I won't say which agency, but a police agency near us, to go on their podcast to discuss Women's History Month. And so I thought, well, Sarah and I's podcast is the following week. We should really be discussing that. And of course, I don't think about it till the last minute. So I'm feverishly texting Sarah yesterday going, what do you think about this? And of course, Sarah, Sarah, she's awesome and said, yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> So how about we start off with this? a simple question is, why did you three fierce women choose policing as your career or firefighting as your career? Um, I guess I can start. Um, I didn't initially, you know, as a kid, really want to be a police officer. I had lots of thoughts about it growing up. I actually started out college as a nursing major. I switched um, pretty much immediately into my first semester of my freshman year. Law enforcement is something I've always thought of. It's something I've always wanted to do with the excitement and the unknown of it um, and the aspect of, of course, helping people. And I felt such relief the day that I turned the application in to start my law enforcement career. Um, I do feel like I am absolutely in the, in the right place that I'm supposed to be in the right agency. And really, I just love talking with people, and that's really all what the job comes down to is is talking with people, of course, helping people, assisting people with decisions. I think law enforcement is is really every single job in one. Um, we're giving advice on, you wouldn't think about it, finances, relationships, what should they do about a situation that's very real and very big for them. So I love coming at it with different aspects. And as a woman, I think um, sometimes I can come come at it with a different perspective. So Yeah, women um, have totally different problems totally. and all these skills than right. men. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And together, I think we make such a good team. Yeah, absolutely. Lauren, how long have you been with the City of Crystal now? I have been here just over a year and a half. Okay, so I'm going to bra- I'm going to break just a little bit because Lauren, as you can imagine, another agency, let's just say, wanted to snap her up, right? And so she, we were competing for her, which is pretty normal nowadays in law enforcement. And it, it's been that way for the 25 years I've been in the career as well, where several applicants are for several, you know, apply to several departments. But then what I'm noticing recently in the last probably couple of years is you really have to sell yourself as an agency to. To, cho- to get the people to choose you, right? That's the biggest thing that we're noticing. And thankfully, Lauren chose us. So, <laughs> so, so thank you. So how about you ladies? How did you, what did you, what made you choose firefighting? I think Krista's story is amazing because you never know what you're going to end up doing in life. And I think Krista's story <laughs> is pretty relevant to that. 
Yeah, so I am a paid on call firefighter and I work full time as a social worker at Hennepin County. I'm a social work supervisor. That's how I recognize you. Well, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't work in probably what you're familiar with, yeah, but, but I work with them. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I was actually like, I should talk to her after today. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I work full time as a social work supervisor and I grew up in Crystal. I, oh. And um, when I was younger, I would see the signs occasionally that would say, be a firefighter. And I always thought it'd be so cool if my dad would be a firefighter. That'd be so fun. And every now and then he'd be like, yeah, that would be really cool. But I don't know that if I can do that. And, um, And then one day I was driving down the street and I saw the West Metro sign. And I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And I knew someone on the department who was a captain. And I, I messaged him and I was like, I'm 39 years old and I drive a minivan and I have two kids and I work full time. Like, how weird would it be for me to just do this, you know? And um, he was like, you absolutely need to do it. So I said, okay. And I literally went home that night and I filled out the application and applied. And there's a lot of similarities to the work that I do for my full-time job or that I've, I've done before in my full-time job, um, where you're coming on to a chaotic scene. People are very stressed out and we do have different skills as women. There's been a lot of times where I've come on scene and it's a bunch of male police officers and I'm with another guy and they're like, here, Krista, you take this one because they just know that because it of... It usually has to do with kids, right? Or kids or another, another woman. Another woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it just makes sense for me to be that person that goes in there to do certain tasks. And I, it just makes more sense. And probably the situation turns out differently because I'm the one that goes in to play certain roles. And how long have you been with West Metro? Three years. years. Yep. So definitely something I wouldn't, if you would have told me five years ago that I would have been a paid on call firefighter, I would have laughed. <laughs> you know, I would have never thought yeah. Yeah. that this would have been something that I would have done. So, Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. cool. But I love it. So, Alicia, how about you? Yeah. I have a similar, like, I always had the passion of wanting to do police or fire. And actually, we would do those personality tests in like high school. And I got a letter from our fire explorers program from the city that I'm from. So I did the fire explorer program in high school. Absolutely loved it. Was thinking about going to college, but kind of did a roundabout and decided to do a four year college route instead. Became a social worker, but always, you know, just that passion for wanting to serve the community, work with people, um, and then firefighting, yeah, just the active, wanting to get back involved. And so kind of through my time, too, I moved to West Metro or to Crystal, saw the hiring sign, couldn't stop thinking about it. At that time, I was recently divorced, and I was like, okay, what's my kind of next adventure? I have time to do this. And yeah, just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I wish I would have done it 20 years ago. And how right. long have you been on West Three years. Three so years Kristen too. and I, yep. Same, we're in the were you same, on the same class? Or yeah. same? Oh, very cool. Yeah, it is very cool. So Sarah, remind our, our lovely listening audience, how long have you been with West Metro, but then in general with firefighting, how long have you been? Doing I have been with West Metro since 2007. And their chief for how long? Since 2012. I was actually formally put in the role in 2013, but I have been in the fire service since 1996. <laughs> it's been a while at this point. 
Chief, can you tell them the story, if you weren't planning already, about what you want on your tombstone? <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, That's a tombstone. I love this. Because I, I, I heard this. I tell people this story a lot because it's probably one of the, like my favorite stories I've ever heard. I don't know if I've even heard this. Let's go, I Sarah. hope it's okay that I said that. <laughs> no, it's just that um, I, I was like, you know, I can work. And I can make money or I can do something that really makes a difference. And when my kids come to my tombstone, I want them to say she was a bad I love it. I love it. Absolutely. My, yeah, our, Mike, our communications guy, just said beep. So now he's going to have to do it twice. So that's awesome. Okay. So so since 90, 1996. Yep. I started out as a paid-on-call firefighter as well and then moved um, to Maple Grove as a fire inspector. And then I went to Golden Valley as uh, their training coordinator. And then I came up to West Metro. I also worked in St. Louis Park as a paid-on-call firefighter. So I've worked in a number of departments. But That's I'm, awesome. I'm so Sarah, Sarah and I have, and some of you have heard my story before, but I'll just repeat it very quickly. But very similar, Sarah and I started, so she started in 96. I started in 97 with the City of Crystal. Been here my entire career. Started as a community service officer and then was promoted to police officer and then eventually just rose through the ranks and also in 2012 was appointed to police chief. So 10th year, Sarah and I have been chiefs in our prospective positions and then the last 25 and 26 years with with policing and firefighting. So pretty darn cool. And especially for why we're here talking to you lovely ladies, for women, right, in in these professions is very unheard of. I will tell you that the percentage of female police officers in the state of Minnesota is still relatively low. There's about 10,000 police officers in this state with, I believe, it being about 10% women. And then it's even lower when you get into leadership roles. So there's about 12 female police chiefs in the state of Minnesota, one female sheriff out of 400 police agencies. So that's less than 1%. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I got one better for you. You there's do. Two. Two. Women fire chiefs in the state of Minnesota. Two yeah. out of out of how many? I mean, there's how many fire departments in the in the There's state? over seven hundred fire yeah. departments. Yeah, I mean that's even less than what the police chiefs are. So it it is crazy that in this day and age that we still have an issue with promoting women in these two great public safety venues. And so for those women who are listening, who are thinking about going into policing or firefighting, like, please, please do so. And that's a great question for you ladies is what do women need to do to prepare themselves to go into policing or firefighting and why should they? Um, I guess I will go first on this one. Um, I guess I should backtrack a little bit. It was never that I, I wasn't interested in law enforcement. I think I had similar to you, Krista, where I was like, is this really something I could do? Because I wasn't seeing when you drive around. And, and I'm from a bigger city. I, I never saw women in squad cars. I think for me, it was just kind of, I did kind of wake up one day and was like, no, I, I can do this. This is something that I want to do. Um, and I'm going to do it. So I really had to have the confidence in myself to just kind of say, I'm going to move forward with this. Um, this is where I think I'm really supposed to be. And just kind of believe in yourself for that. You're going to have a lot of male partners. The cult, People talk about the culture between men and women in fields like this. Yeah, you're going to have some places where maybe you just need to go home at the end of the day and say, 
rebuild up your confidence and yep this is where I'm supposed to be I'm not gonna let anybody tear me down I think you just got to dig deep within yourself if you're meant to be in this spot you will be in this spot I think it's more so about your personality traits and how you treat other people and your wants to get out of what you want out of your career Um, as much as I want to say it is a, a men and women thing I think it's more about who you are within yourself whether you're a man or a woman yeah well um, that is very well said, Lauren. I mm-hmm. So I got asked that very same question at last week's podcast I was on. And I don't want to say I said that verbatim, but very similarly is that, right, that we as women do look at things differently because we're different, right? Men and women aren't the same, but it isn't about whether you're a man or woman going into this profession. It's about who you are as a person and what you can do right. as that mm-hmm. individual and what you can bring to the profession, right? And I'm sure Sarah and I could tell a few stories about at least what I have noticed differently in a leadership role as far as being a woman versus a man. But how about how about for you ladies? Do you do you see a difference? In, I mean, because it's a male dominated mm-hmm. field, right? Public safety, fire, police, male dominated. I'd have, like to think that we have created a supportive environment that you yeah, guys can that get you nice. get what you need from the department. I hope. Very grateful. Yeah, West Metro, I think, is amazing in itself because we have a female fire chief. We have a female captain. Our fire marshal is female. And so we have a lot of really good role models. And there is a lot of support. You know, like there are days and moments where it's challenging or you may come up with different personalities. But then having like the support of everybody around you makes the job even better. Like it makes it doable to come back every day, work hard, you know, just demonstrate that work ethic. I think that's a lot, you know, not necessarily proving yourself because if you're a man or a woman, you just go do the work, show up every day, put all you can into it. And I think people respect that. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. It's about what you contribute, not who you are. Yeah. So when I started back in 97 and then promoted in 98 to police officer, I was the eighth female at the time in Crystal in 98. So I was number eight out of, at the time, we didn't have the 34 that we do today. We had, I want to say 28 police officers. So there was eight of us, which was crazy. Chris, I mean, Crystal really was, the PD was a trailblazer when it came to hiring women. And it was super cool to see that. I just thought that was the norm when I got hired here. And then all of a sudden I realized quickly that no, there was no women like in the cities around me, right? Or anywhere. I'm thinking, well, that's very odd. And then unfortunately, we've seen a diminish in our female officers here in Crystal due to retirements or, you know, leaving for bigger organizations or what have you. And that is something that has been a challenge for us is getting that number back, right? And that's something that I truly want to do. How many females are there in West Metro? Oh, wow. I have to count. Uh, one, two, three. <laughs> I love that she's going, she's just, everybody, just so you know, she's counting with her fingers on it. We just had three new recruits. Yeah, at Station One, there are five, Five. counting the full-time, counting yourself and Shelby. Mm -hmm. Station Three. Um, Yeah, Station Three, I mean. So that's seven. at Station Two. Two has one, two, four. So that's 11. Probably like 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. And then, because you, what do you, you have an authorized strength of 60? 66 paid on call firefighters and seven full time. Yeah. So 66, so that's 73. So Our 11. new recruit class in, increased it by quite a bit. Yeah. I think prior to that we had six. So we almost doubled it, I think. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. And do any of you have any stories that you could share with our audience about 
any differences that you noticed either on a call that you were on between, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit about saying, you know, when you arrive on the scene, right, the man looks at I know you have one. I bet you have several, and I bet you have no, several. This is just a fundamental difference between women and men. Yeah. Yeah. Women don't break things. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if it's because we weren't taught how to fix them, but they don't break things as readily as a guy. They don't go hulking it in and just destroying whatever equipment is there. And I truly appreciate that. It does sound like there's a story. I'm feeling some pressure. Right. Don't break anything. Don't break I know anything. when she said that, I'm like, oh my God, I break things all the time. What does she mean? But now I get it. She's talking about equipment. and Yeah, they're, they're hard... Men tend to be a little harder on things, let's just say, like harder on equipment. I always joke with the man hand thing, like, you're, oh, you've got man hands, and so everything you touch breaks, right? And yeah, No, I totally get it. I do. I remember one call I was on where um, it was a car fire, and so, you know, got to the scene, I got off the truck, I was on the nozzle putting out the car fire, we had one of our chiefs, I believe, taking a hydrant, and I didn't know any of this was going on, but then after the call, he came up and he said some um, citizen had come up and said, oh, hey, nice job. Thank you for your service. And he said, yeah, you know, it's nice to see a big strapping guy like you doing this job because, you know, now all these women are wanting to come on and do this kind of work. And he goes, I didn't say anything to him. But what I wanted to say is there's a woman over there right now on the nozzle putting out the fire. And so that was one. And this was just what, last year? Was it last? Within the last year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then there was another time that I was on a call and came out of the building and, you know, I was on air, had the helmet on and stuff like that. And there was another citizen standing around. He goes, thanks for your service, gentlemen. And, and I took off my stuff and, and I really wasn't thinking about it. He goes, oh, that's a lady. (laughs) Obviously very surprised that there would be a female that would have gone into the the environment. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I have, I could tell you several, but I will choose, I'll choose one here that just happened recently. And when I, when I asked you about just happened within the last couple of years, I'm always a little bit surprised still, right? That we still have people a little shocked that women are in this profession. So as you know, so we have a deputy chief, Brian Hubbard, who is fabulous, outstanding, right? Uh, I couldn't do my job without him. So I'll tell you, I have to bring him up because of this. So he and I were in our police lobby here a year or two ago, and there was a gentleman that was walking into the lobby. And he walks up to our records area and he says to our clerical person, hey, I'd like to talk to the police chief. And they said, sure, they're right there, right behind you. And so the guy turns and he sees Brian and he says, chief, I'd like to talk to you. And then Brian says, well, I'm the deputy chief. Do you want to talk to our chief? And then turns and he sees me and he goes, no, I want to talk to the chief. I want to talk to the male police chief. And Brian says, no, again, I'm, I'm the assistant chief. She is our chief. And he kept, and it was nothing is funnier than me standing there going like, <laughs> just standing there, you know, I was like, yep, I'm the chief. He goes, yeah, no, I don't want to talk to you. So I said, okay. Wow. So I walked, you know, I walked in and Brian took it over. Now, was I shocked by that? No, because I've dealt with it for so long. However, what I was shocked at was the fact that it's still, it's 2022. And that was what last year that it happened. Mm-hmm. And that we're constantly, 
you know, still seeing it right today. And again, I've gotten so accustomed and used to it. Does it make it right? Absolutely not. However, if the person is feeling more comfortable to talk to a man, that is just fine, right? Because there's several times when I've been on a call and someone is rather would rather talk to me as a woman, right? So I don't take any offense to it. I just get a little bit depressed that we're still talking about the fact that you're shocked that a female is in this leadership role, right? So Yeah, I similar to you, Krista, I, I hear a lot of generalization into gentlemen and guys and things like that. And it's just not something that you can't you can take personally and just kind of rub it off um, but in terms of calls I I notice a difference every day at work with me being a woman I don't know if I do think as women we are a lot more empathetic um, in in a lot of different situations me as a person I think I'm extremely empathetic so I definitely get my emotions into the call I definitely put myself in their shoes I do see quite quite the difference in women wanting to speak to me on multiple different calls. Domestics, whether it be physical or just verbal, are a call that we deal with every day. If not, it's the call that's taking over the days. But women automatically make eye contact with me when I walk into the room and they want to talk to me. A difference is maybe us being more empathetic. I do sometimes even see men wanting to talk to me, um, have a softer voice, or um, I'm only 5'2". As a woman, I'm still very small, um, which is another reason I'm very proud to do this job. But maybe I'm less intimidating or things like that. So I I see a difference every day in in people who want to talk to me or um, explain their situation to me where they may not be comfortable um, talking to a man. And I am a person, I, do, I forget I have this uniform on. I introduce people by my first name. Hey, I'm, I'm Lauren. Um, what's going on today? I have a lot of people, we have work cell phones who I will text to maybe get some extra information and they will continue to text me for days with, Hey, this is still going on. What do you think I should do? And just, I definitely feel connections with people which is why I wanted to do this job. But I think maybe on a little bit deeper level than than maybe some of my male counterparts, I don't know. I feel fantastic with, with where I am in my career, even at Crystal. I am surrounded by all males you besides are, you, you, Chief. Are, you are. You are <laughs> surrounded by all males. Me <laughs> <And>, too. <laughs> we're in this together. Um, but I am so supported by those guys. I feel so lucky to be at Crystal. My brother's in blue, so they de- they definitely have my back in all situations. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, that is one thing, too, that I've noticed, and I'm sure you ladies feel it as well, right? It doesn't matter. Even though we joke and say that there is a difference, we know there's a difference. It's not a joke. It is true. But one thing's for certain in both of our agencies, those men working beside us every single day do have our backs, right? And they will protect Absolutely. us. They'll protect yep. the public, you know, just as we will do the same for them. So it is pretty, it's pretty astounding and pretty awesome to see. Yeah, and just as a collective organization, having so many different people is what makes us good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's what makes us be able to encounter any of our residents or community members and be able to serve them. It's, it's incredibly important that we have a diverse workforce. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else can we tell our listening audience about Women's Month and just celebrating us as women in our professions? Well, I think for me, you know, the pub ed and the fire prevention stuff we do in schools or the bike rodeo, any type of community that young kids can see 
women or, you know, just a diverse people and just being inspiring to them and having, you know, the kids come up and say, oh, you're, you know, a female firefighter. I want to do that. And just try and do it really encourage young girls to really follow their dreams and you can do whatever you want to do. And I appreciate, you know, all of that. Anytime we can be in the community so they can see us as people too. And then when we're there in a time of need, they can trust us. But really just trying to motivate and inspire just those young girls too. I'm glad you said that, Alicia. Talk about the process now of becoming a firefighter with West Metro. Both of you touched on the fact that you saw those signs, right? When they're when they're out, you know, looking for the volunteers and recruiting. Tell us how that process works. Yeah, so it felt like a long process at the time, but uh, in hindsight, it goes really quickly. It usually opens up at towards the end of the summer. And so you submit an application and kind of go through an interview process with, and I, I think this is wonderful, actually, with different groups of firefighters. So we as firefighters are kind of evaluating different candidates and are able to provide our feedback on what we think. And once they go through that process, then the groups are kind of narrowed down a little bit. And then they go through uh, an interview process with the chief. And then through there, there's several different evaluations. So they go through a psyche evaluation, um, a medical evaluation, a physical agility test, um, just to make sure that physically and mentally they're able to do the work of firefighting. And then, of course, there's background checks. We want to make sure that people are safe to go into residences when when people call for help. So there's that piece, of course, too. Um, so once we make sure that they are physically and mentally ready and safe and able to go into the homes and um, able to drive vehicles and things like that, then they're hired. And then it's a two-year two process. process. Yep. Wow. So, two, so when you say two-year process, because by the time you get hired on, you then go through your fire academy that's actually in-house. Yeah. Right? Well, um, West Suburban Fire Academy. So it has different cities in the surrounding area participate. So then we do the West Suburban Fire Academy, which includes our Fire 1 and Fire 2. Then we do HAZMAT, EMR, and then the following year is Which is emergency medical responder. Mm -hmm. And then driving and pumping is the following year. So it's broken up over that course of two years. And then after all of that, then you're embedded with West Metro Fire where you're trained with them. Correct. We train every week. Kind of through the process, yeah. yeah. So for West Metro, we'll do the West Suburban Fire Academy and participate in department drills. And so you're involved the minute, first day you get a pager and you're expected yeah. to respond. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so they really just kind of take you in and working the day you start. Yeah, and as you go through and gain different levels of certification, you can participate more. So after you get Fire 1 and Fire 2 and get signed off, then you can go into um, different structures, but then you can't, also, you can't respond to medical calls until you become certified as a EMR or emergency medical responder. So as you go through certain levels of mm -hmm. certification, you have more and more responsibility. Which you guys respond to a lot of medical calls, which I think the public doesn't realize you're mm -hmm. not just responding to fire calls. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah. And we'll take people and train them. They don't have to have any knowledge of how to be a firefighter. They just have to have the character to be mm -hmm. a firefighter. Yep. Yeah. So Lauren, how about for those listening for to become a police officer, what would you tell folks listening on how that process looks like? In Minnesota, you still do need a college degree, whether that be a two-year or a four-year. I went ahead and did my four-year 
that is your criminal justice, criminology, law enforcement degree, something of the similar. Then you need to go on to get your state certificate, which is called SKILLS, or the police academy, which some people generalize it. And that can be done at a lot of different places. I did mine at Hennepin Technical College. A lot of technical colleges around the state do that program. Once you successfully complete the program, you graduate, you gain your certificate, you then have to take the licensure exam, which a lot of people also don't realize we are licensed police officers in the state of Minnesota. Once you successfully pass that, you are not licensed until the day you actually get hired at a department, which you definitely have some time to do that. Um, And then it's just applying, interviewing. Most departments I've heard of with friends around the state, it's typically a two or a three interview process with different people, including city manager, other officers, the chief, sometimes even civilians. And then there's a background process, which typically lasts a few weeks. And then there's definitely in-house training with your department, usually about two to three weeks. That's getting to know the department, firearms, mental health, and then then you're kind of whisked off and got to figure it out from there. (laughs) Right. And after that initial couple of weeks and then the field training process usually is anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks, depending Mm -hmm. on the the organization. And what I always found interesting, and you know, in the 25 years I've been in law enforcement, things haven't really evolved that much when it comes to actually the hiring process. I mean, it's virtually the same as it was when I was hired 25 years ago. You know, like Lauren said, the background, you know, the you got to go through the background because that's another thing that's mandated for the, you know, state statute, along with a medical exam, physical agility, and then the psychological. And I don't think a lot of listeners probably don't know this, but that for a police officer, that is mandated. Like you, you cannot hire a police officer unless those steps are taken, which is very important because you want obviously that to happen in law enforcement to make sure that you have a healthy person coming in the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure obviously our goal then as leaders is to make sure they're just as healthy, hopefully, as they're when they leave that door at retirement. So I'll close, I'll close with this, just asking you ladies what you'd like to tell our listening audience about being a female in your professions and, and your last words of wisdom. I guess for me, I have a daughter. And so I say just if you've got young women in your life, take them to see women doing all sorts of different things and be an example to women. I think having people like Chief Larson you chief revering to show the example of what women can do has made a big difference. I think that is part of why we have departments that are so welcoming and and really don't question our ability to do this work. I think that's what has made such a huge difference. And so I say, if you have young women in your life, take them to see women doing things that are not typical of women. And if you can be the example for women of doing things that women don't typically do. Well said. Anyone else? I think just talking today about about us being women in this (laughs) profession, it's not something I think about that that's a difference, honestly, in my normal career. But this has been awesome to talk about and kind of dissect everything that that makes us us and makes us great police officers and firefighters. So I do have to say, I when I first got hired, I definitely was bragging that I had a female police chief um, because you you definitely understand um, from a little bit of a, a different perspective um, the things that that we had to go through and and other things. So thank you, yes, thank you.
Absolutely. I, I sincerely can't thank the three of you enough for joining Sarah and I today. Um, that's it for our show. I want to thank you for listening to Chiefs Cast. Episodes are released quarterly and are posted on the City of Crystal's website and via social media. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and other podcast applications. If you have an idea for an episode, feedback, or want to get in touch, you can connect with us at stephanie.revering at crystalmn.gov. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.